welcome to the seventh episode for the second season of the Very Harry Podcast. I'm your reader, Talon, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. Read to you by Talon. Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Harry spent a lot of time over the next few days dodging out of sight whenever he saw Gilderoy Lockhart coming down the corridor. Harder to avoid was Colin Creevy, who seemed to have memorized Harry's schedule. Nothing, nothing seemed to give Colin a bigger thrill than to say, All right, Harry, six or seven times a day in here. Hello, Colin. Back. However exasperated Harry so- sounded when he said it. Hedwig was still angry with Harry about the disastrous car journey, and Ron's wand was still malfunctioning, surpassing itself on Friday morning by shooting out of Ron's hand in the in charms and hitting tiny old Professor Flitwick squarely between the eyes, creating a large, throbbing green boil where it had struck. So with one, so with one thing and another, Harry was quite glad to reach the weekend. He, Ron, and Hermione were planning to visit Hagrid on Saturday morning. Harry, however, had been shaken awake several hours earlier than he would have liked by Oliver Wood, captain of Gryffindor Quidditch team. What's the matter? said Harry groggily. Quidditch practice, said Wood. Come on. Harry squinted at the window. There was a thin mist hanging across the pink and gold sky. Now that he was awake, he couldn't understand how he could have slept through the racket of bird, through the racket the birds were making. Oliver, Harry croaked. It's the crack of dawn. Exactly, said Wood. He was a tall and burly sixth year, and at the moment his eyes were gleaming with a crazed enthusiasm. It's part of our new training program. Come on, grab your broom and let's go, said Wood heartily. None of the other teams have started training yet, but we're going to be the first of the mark this year. We're going to be the f- first off the mark this year. Yawning and shivering slightly, Harry climbed out of bed and tried to find his way to his Quidditch robes. To his Quidditch robes. Good man, said Wood. Meet you on the field in fifteen minutes. When when he'd found his scarlet team robes and pulled on his cloak, he'd gone and pulled on his cloak for warmth. Harry scribbled a note to Ron explaining where he had gone and went down the spiral staircase to the common room, his his Nimbus 2000 on his shoulder. He had just reached the portrait hole where there was a clatter behind him, where there was a clatter behind him, and Colin Creevy came dashing down the spiral staircase, his camera swinging madly around his neck. And something clutched in his hand. I heard someone saying your name on the stairs, Harry. Look what I've got here. I've had it developed. I've had it developed. I wanted to show you. Harry looked bemusedly at the old, the, at the photograph. Colin was brandishing under his nose. A moving black and white Lockhart was tugging hard on Harry. On an arm, Harry recognized as his own. He was pleased to see that the photographic that his photographic his photographic self was putting up a good fight and refusing to be dragged into view. 
As Harry watched, Lockhart gave up and slumped. Hello. Lockhart gave up and slumped, panting against the white edge of the picture. Will you sign it? Said Colin eagerly. No, said Harry flatly, glancing around to check to check that the room was really des- deserted. Sorry, Colin, I'm in a hurry. Quidditch practice. He climbed through the portrait hole. He climbed through the portrait hole. Oh, wow, wait for me. I've never watched a Quidditch game before. Colin scrambled through the hole after him. It'll be really boring, Harry said quickly, but Colin ignored him, his face shining with excitement. You were the youngest house player in a hundredth years, weren't you, Harry? Weren't you? said Colin, trotting alongside him. You must be brilliant. I've never flown. Is it easy? Is that your own room? Is that the best one there is? Harry didn't know how to get rid of him. It was like having an extremely talkative shadow. I don't really understand Quidditch, said said Colin breathlessly. Is it true that there are four walls and two of them flying around trying to knock people off the brooms? Yes, said Harry heavily, resigned to explaining the completed rules of Quidditch. They're called bludgers. There are two beaters on each team who carry clubs that beat the bludgers away from their from their side. Fred and George Weasley are the Gryffindor beaters. And what are the other balls for? Said Colin asked, tripping down a couple of steps because he was gazing open mouthed at Harry. Well, the quaffle. That's the biggest red that's the biggest wet red one. That's the biggest red one. Is the one you score is the one that scores goals. Three chasers on each team throw the quaffle to each other and try to get it through the goalposts at the end of the pitch. <clears throat> there are three long poles with hoops at the end. And a fourth ball? That's the golden snitch, said Harry. The very small, very fast, and difficult to catch. And it's very small, very fast, and difficult to catch. But it's what the Seekers got to do. But that's what the Seekers got to do. Because of... But that's what a Seekers got to do. Because a game of Quidditch doesn't end until the Snitch has been caught. And whichever team a Seeker gets the Snitch earns his team an extra hundred... An extra hundred and fifty points. And you're the Gryffindor Seeker, aren't you? Said Colin in awe. Yes, said Harry, as they left the castle and started up the daw drenched, or not daw, the dew drenched, I can't talk today, the dew drenched glass, I'm sorry, I just can't talk today, the dew drenched grass, there, finally got it, and there's a keeper, and there's a keeper too, he guards the goalposts, he, he guards the goalposts. That's it, really. But Colin didn't stop questioning Harry all the way down the sloping lawns to the Quidditch field, and Harry only shook him off when they reached the changing rooms. Colin, Colin called after him in a piping voice, I'll get a good seat, Harry! And he hurried off to the stands. The rest of the Gryffindor team were already in the changing room. Wood was the only person who looked truly awake. Fred and George Weasley were sitting puffy-eyed and tousled-haired. 
Next to a fourth year, Angelina Spinnett. Next to fourth year, Angelina Spinnett. You seem to be nodding off. Nodding off against the wall behind her. Her fellow chasers, Katie Bell and Angelina Johnson, were yawning side by side opposite them. There you are, Harry. There you are, Harry. What kept you? said Wood briskly. Now, I want a quick talk with you before we actually get on to the field, because I spent the summer devising a whole new training program, which I really think will make a difference. Wood was holding up a large diagram of a Quidditch field on which were drawn many lines, arrows, and crosses different in different colored inks. He took out his wand, tapped the board, and the arrows began to wiggle over the diagram like caterpillars. As Wood launched into his... As Wood launched into a speech about his new tactics, Fred and George Weasley, Fred Weasley's head dropped right onto Angelina Spinnett's shoulder, and he began to, and he began to snore. The first, the first board took nearly twenty minutes to explain, but there was another board under that, and a third, and a third under that one. Harry sank into a stupor as Wood droned on and on. So, said Wood at long last, jerking Harry from his wistful fantasy about what he could be eating for breakfast at this very moment up at the, up at the castle. Is that clear? Any questions? I've got one question, Oliver, said George, who had woken with a start. Why couldn't you have told us all why couldn't you told us all this yesterday when we were awake? Wood was pleased. Now listen here, you lot. He, he said, glowering at them all. We should have won the Quidditch Cup last year. We were the easily, were easily the best team. But unfortunately, owing to circumstances beyond our, beyond our control, Harry Schilt... Harry shifted guiltily in, in his seat. He had been unconscious in the hospital wing for the final match of the previous year, meaning that Gryffindor had been one player short and stuffed their worst defeat, and had suffered their worst defeat in three hundred years. Wood took a moment to regain control of himself. Their last defeat was so was clearly torturing him. So this year we'll train harder than ever. Okay, let's go and put our new theories into practice. Wood shouted, seizing his broomstick and leading and leading the way out of the locker rooms. Stiff legged and still yawning, his team followed. They had been in the locker room so long that that the sun was up completely now. Although the remains of the mist hung over the grass in the stadium, Harry walked onto the field. He, as Harry walked onto the field, he saw Ron and Hermione sitting in the stands. Aren't you finished yet? Called Ron, incredulously. Haven't even started," said Harry, looking, looking jealous, looking jealousy. Blah, blah. Jealously, at the toast and marmalade, Harry, no, not Harry, Ron and Hermione had brought out of the great hall. Wood's been teaching us new moves. 
He mounted his broomstick and kicked off the ground, soaring up into the air. The cool morning air whipped his face, waking him far more effectively than Wood's long talk. It felt wonderful to be back on the Quidditch field. He soared right around the stadium at full speed, racing Fred and George. What's that funny clicking noise? called Fred as they hurtled around the corner. Harry looked into the stands. Colin was sitting in one of the highest seats, his camera rays taking picture after picture, the sound taking picture after picture. The sound strangely magnified in the deserted in the deserted stadium. Look this way look this way, Harry, this way he cried shrilly. Who's that? said Fred. No idea, Harry lied, putting on a spurt of speed that took him as far away as possible from Colin. What's going on? said Wood, frowning as he skimmed through the air towards them. What's that first year taking pictures? Why is that first year taking pictures? I don't like it. He could be Slytherin's spy, trying to find out what our new training program is. About our new training program. He's a Gryffindor, said Harry quickly. And the Slytherins don't need a spy, Oliver, said George. What makes you say that, said Wood testily. Because they're here in person, said George, pointing several people, pointing several people in green ropes who were walking onto the field, broomsticks in their hands. I don't believe it, Wood hissed in outrage. I booked the field for today. We'll see about this. Wood shot towards the ground, landing rather harder than he met in his en- meant to in his anger, staggering, staggering slightly as he dismounted. Harry, Fred, and George followed. Flint, Wood bellowed at the slithering captain. This is our practice time. We got it. We got up specially. We can clear off now. Marcus Flint was even larger, was even larger than Wood. He had a look of troll. He had a look of trollish, trollish cunning on his face as he replied, "Plenty of room for all of us, Wood." Angelina, Alicia, and Katie had come over too. There were no girls on the on the Slytherin team, who stood at the shoulder, who stood shoulder to shoulder, <clears throat> to who stood shoulder to shoulder facing the Gryffindors, leering to man to a man. But I booked the field," said Wood, positively spitting in rage. "I booked it." Ah," said Flint. "But I've got a specially signed note here from Professor Snape. I, Professor S. Snape, give Slytherin team the permission to practice today on the Quidditch field, owning, owning to need, owing the need, owing to the need to train their new seeker." You've got a new seeker, said Wood distractedly. Where? From behind the six large figures, before them came a seventh smaller boy, smirking smirking all over his pale, pointed face. It was Draco Malfoy. Aren't you Lucius Malfoy's son? said Fred, looking at Malfoy with dislike. Funny you shouldn't mention Draco's father, said Flint as the whole Slytherin team smiled more broadly. Let me show you the generous gift he made to Slytherin team. 
All seven of them, all seven of them held out their broomsticks. Seven highly polished, brand new handles and seven sets of fine gold lettering spelled the words Nimbus 2001. Gleamed under the Gryffindor's noses in the early morning sun. The very latest model. It only came out last month, said Flint, carelessly flicking a speck of dust from the end of his own. I believe it outstrips the old Nimbus 2000 series by a, considerable, by a considerable amount. As for the old clean sweeps, he smiled nastily at Fred and George, who were both clutching clean sweep fives. Sweeps the board with them. None of the Gryffindor team could think of anything to say for the moment. Malfoy was smirking so broadly his cold eyes were reduced to slits. Oh, look, said Flint, a field invasion. Ron and Hermione were crossing the grass to see what was going on. What's happening? Ron asked Harry. Why aren't you, why aren't you playing? And what's he doing here? He looked at Malfoy. Taking in his Slytherin Quidditch robes. I'm the new, I'm the new Slytherin secret Weasley said Malfoy smugly. Everyone's just been admiring the broom my father's bought the team. Ron gasped, open-mouthed, as the seven suburb broomsticks at the seven superb broomsticks in front of him. Good, aren't they? said Malfoy smoothly. But perhaps the Gryffindor team will be able to raise some gold and get some new brooms too. You could raffle off those old clean sweep fives. Clean sweep fives. I expect. I expect a museum would bid for them. The Slytherin team howled with laughter. At least no one. At least no one on the Gryffindor team has to buy their way in," said Hermione sharply. "They got pure talent." The smug look on Malfoy's face flickered. "No one asked you." No one asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood, he spat. Harry knew at once that Malfoy had said something really bad because there was an instant uproar at his words. Flint had to dive in front of Malfoy to stop Fred and George from jumping on him. Alicia shrieked. Alicia shrieked. How dare you? Ron plunged his wand into his robes, pulled, his wand, pulled out his wand, yelling, You'll pay for that one, Malfoy and pointed it furiously under Flint's arm at Malfoy's face. A loud bang echoed around the stadium, and a jet of green light shot out of the wrong end. Of, and a jet of green light shot, shot out of the wrong end of Ron's wand, hitting him in the stomach and sending him reeling backward onto the grass. Ron, Ron, are you all right? squealed Hermione. Ron opened his, Ron opened his mouth to speak but no words came out. Instead, he gave an almighty belch, and several slugs dribbled out of his mouth and onto his lap. The Slytherin team was paralyzed with laughter. Flint was doubled over, doubled up, hanging onto his new broomstick for support. Malfoy was on all fours, banging the ground with his fists. The Gryffindors were gathered around Ron, who kept belching large, glistening slugs. 
No one seemed to want to touch him. We better get him to Hagrid's. We better get him to Hagrid's. It's nearest, said Harry to Hermione, who nodded bravely, and the pair of them pulled Ron up by the arms. What happened, Harry? What happened? Is he ill? But you can cure him, can't you? Ron had to run down from his seat. Colin had run down from his seat and was now dancing alongside them as they left the field. Ron gave a huge heave and more slugs dribbled down his front. Ooh, said Colin, fascinated and resigning and raising his camera. Can you hold him still, Harry? Get out of the way, Colin, said Harry angrily. He and Hermione supported Ron out of the stadium and across the grounds towards the edge of the forest. Nearly there, Ron, said Hermione, as the gamekeepers as the gamekeepers cabin came into view. You'll be alright in a minute. Almost there. They were within twenty feet of Hagrid's house when the front when the front door opened. But it wasn't Hagrid who emerged. It was Gilderoy Lockhart, wearing robes of palest mauve today, coming came striding out. Quick behind here, Harry hissed, dragging Ron behind a nearby bush. Hermione followed, somewhat reluct somewhat reluctantly reluctantly. Ugh. It's a simple matter it's a simple matter if you know what you're doing, Lockhart was saying loudly to Hagrid. If you need help, you know where I am. I'll let you have a copy of my book. I'm surprised you haven't got already got one. I'll sign one tonight and send it over. Well, goodbye. And he strode away towards the castle. Harry waited until Lockhart was out of sight, then pulled Ron out of the bush and up Hagrid's front door. They knocked urgently. Hagrid had appeared at once, looking very grumpy. But his expression changed. His expression brightened when they saw who it was. Been wondering when you'd, when you'd come to see me. Come in, come in. Thought you might have been Professor Lockhart back again. Harry and Hermione supported Ron over the th- over the threshold into the one-roomed cabin, which had an which had an enormous bed in the corner, a fire crackling merrily in the other. Hagrid didn't seem perturbed by Ron's slug problem. Which Harry hastily explained as he lowered Ron's Ron into a chair. Better out than in, he said cheerfully, plunking a large copper basin in front of him. Get them all up, Ron. I don't think there's anything to do except I don't think there's anything to to do except wait for it to stop, said Hermione anxiously, watching Ron bend over the basin. That's a difficult curse to work at the best of times, but with a broken wand. Hagrid was bustling around, making them pee. His boarhound Fang was was slobbering over Harry. What did Lockhart want with you, Hagrid? Harry asked, scratching Fang's ears. Giving me advice on getting getting Kelpies out of of a well, growled Hagrid, moving a half plucked rooster off his scrubbed off moving a half plucked rooster off his scrubbed table and setting down a teapot. Like I don't know. 
and then about some banshee banish. If one word of it's true, I'll eat my kettle. It was most unlike Hagrid to criticize a Hogwarts teacher, and Harry looked at him in surprise. Hermione, however, said in a voice somewhat higher than usual, I think you're being a bit unfair. Professor, but, uh, Professor McGonagall, obviously, not Professor McGonagall, not the headmistress. Professor Dumbledore obviously thought he was the best man for the job. He was the only man for the job, said Hagrid, offering them a plate of treacle fudge, while Ron coughed squelchy, squelchly into his basin. And I mean the only one. Getting very difficult to find anyone for the dark arts job. People weren't too keen to take to take it on, see. They're starting to think it's jinx. No one's last along for a while now. So tell me. So tell me, said Hagrid, jerking his head at Ron. Who who was he trying to curse? Malfoy called Hermione Malfoy called Hermione something. Must have been really bad because everyone went wild. It was bad, said Ron Horsley, emerging over the tabletop, looking pale and sweaty. Malfoy called her mudblood Hagrid. Ron dived out of sight again, and a fresh and a fresh wave of slugs made their appearance. Hagrid looked outraged. He didn't he growled at Hermione. He did, she said. But I don't know what it means. I could tell it was really rude, of course. That's about the most insulting thing you could he could think of. The most insulting thing he could think of. That's about the most insulting thing. That's not Hermione. I'm sorry. It's about the most insulting thing he could think of, gasped Ron, coming back up. Mudblood's a really foul name for someone that's muggle-born. You know, with non-magic parents. There are some wizards, like Malfoy's family, who think they're better than everyone, better than everyone else, because of what happened, because they're what people call pure, pure blood. He gave a small burp, and a single slug fell on, onto his outstretched hand. He threw it into the basin, and continued. I mean, the rest of us know it doesn't make any difference at all. Look at Neville Long. Look at Neville Longbottom. He's pure blood, and he can hardly stand a cauldron up the right way. They haven't, in- and they haven't invented a spell Hermione can't do," said Hagrid proudly, making Hermione go a brilliant shade of magenta. The disgusting thing to call someone," said Ron, wiping his sweaty brow with a shaking hand. Dirty blood, see? Common blood. It's ridiculous. Most wizards these days are half-blood anyways. They hadn't married muggles. We've all died out. We would have all died out. He reached and ducked out of sight again. He retched and ducked out of sight again. Well, I don't blame you for trying to curse him, Ron, said Hagrid loudly over the thuds of more slugs hitting the basin. But maybe it was a good thing your wand backfired. Speck Lucius Malfoy would have come marching up to school if he had cursed his son. 
least you're not in trouble. Harry would have pointed out the tro that trouble didn't come much worse than having slugs pouring out of your mouth. But he, but he couldn't. Hagrid's treacle fudge was cemented his jaws together. Harry, said Harry, said Hagrid abruptly, as though, as though struck by a sudden thought. Got a bone to pick with you. I've heard you've been giving out signed photos. How come I, how come I haven't gotten one? Furious, Harry wrenched his teeth apart. I have not been giving out signed photos, he said hotly. If Lockhart's still spreading that around. But then he saw Hagrid was laughing. I'm only joking, he said, patting Harry genially on the back and sending him face first into the table. I knew you hadn't really. I told Lockhart you'd... you'd I told Lockhart you didn't need, need to. You're more famous than him without trying. That he didn't like that, said Harry, sitting up and rubbing his chin. I don't think he did, said Hagrid, his eyes twinkling. And then I told him I'd never, I've never read one of his books, and he decided to go, and he decided to go. Treacle fudge, Ron, he added as Ron reappeared. No thanks, said Ron weakly. Better not risk it. Come and see what I've been growing, said Hagrid, as Harry and Hermione finished the last of their tea. In a small vegetable patch behind Hagrid's house were a dozen of the largest pumpkins Harry had ever seen. Each was the size of a large boulder. You're getting on well, aren't they? said Hagrid happily. For the Halloween feast should be should be big enough should should be big enough by then. What have you been feeding them? said Harry. Hagrid looked over his shoulder to check and see if to see that they were alone. Well, I've been I've been giving them giving them, you know, a bit of help. Harry noticed Hagrid's flowery pink umbrella leaning against the back wall of the cabin. Harry had a reason to believe before before now that this umbrella was not all it looked. In fact, he had the strong impression that Hagrid, that Hagrid's old school school wand, was concealed inside it. Hagrid wasn't supposed to use magic. He had been expelled from Hogwarts in his third year. But Harry had never found out why. Any mention at the ma of the matter, Hagrid would clear his throat loudly and become mysteriously deaf until the subject had changed. An, en an engorgement charm, I suppose, said Hermione, halfway between disapproval and amusement. Well, you've you've done a good job. Well, you've done a good job on them. That's what your little sister said, said ha said Hagrid, nodding at Ron. Met her just yesterday. Hagrid looked sideways at Harry, his beard twitching. She says she was just looking around the grounds, but I reckon she was hoping she might run into someone else at my house. He winked at Harry. If you ask, if you ask me, she wouldn't say no to her sign. Oh, shut up, said Harry. 
Ron snorted with laughter and and the ground sprayed with slugs. And the ground was sprayed with slugs. Watch it, Hagrid Ward roared, pulling Ron away from his precious pumpkins. It was nearly lunchtime, and Harry had oh, and Harry had only had only had one bite of treacle fudge since dawn. He was keen he was keen to get back to school to eat get back to school to I'm sorry I can't talk today it was nearly lunchtime and Harry had only one had had only had one bit of treacle fudge since dawn he was keen to go back to the school to eat they said goodbye to Hagrid and walked up to the castle Ron hiccuping occasionally but only bringing up two very small slugs they had barely set foot in the cool entrance hall when a voice rang out. There you are, Potter Weasley. Professor McGonagall was walking towards them, looking stern. You will both have your detention this, detentions this evening. What are we doing, Professor? Said, said Ron, nervously, nervously suppressing and nervously suppressing a burp you will be polishing the silver the silver in the tro- trophy room with mr filch said professor mcgonagall and no magic weasley elbow grease ron gulped argus filch the caretaker was loathed by every student in the school and you potter you will be helping professor lockhart answering his fan you will be helping Professor Lockhart answering answer his fan mail," said Professor McGonagall. "Oh no, oh n- Professor, can't I go? Can't I go and do the trophy room too?" said Ron, said Harry desperately. "Certainly not," said Professor McGonagall, raising her eyebrows. "Professor Lockhart requested you particularly eight o'clock sharp." Little. Professor Lockhart requested you particularly. Eight o'clock sharp, both of you. Harry and Ron slouched into the Great Hall in the state in states of deepest gloom. Hermione behind them, wearing wearing a well you did break break the school rules sort of expression. Harry didn't enjoy his shepherd's pie as much as he'd thought. Both he and Ron felt They'd get a worse. They'd got the worst deal. Filch will have me there all night," said Ron heavily. "No magic. There must be a, about a hundred cups in that room. I'm no good at muggle cleaning. I'd swap any time," said Harry hollowly. Hollowly. I've got loads of practice with the Dursleys, answering Lockhart's fan mail. It'll be a nightmare. Saturday afternoon seemed to melt away, and in what seemed like no time, it was five minutes to eight, and Harry was dragging his feet along the second-floor corridor to Lockhart's office. He gritted his teeth and knocked. The door flew open at once. Lockhart beamed down at him. Ah, here's the scallywag, he said. 
come in, Harry, come in. Shining brightly on the walls. Shining brightly on the walls by the light of many candles were countless framed photographs of Lockhart. He had signed he had signed a hold on. He had even signed a few of them. Another large pile lay on his desk. You can address the envelopes, said Lockhart Lockhart told Harry, as this as though this was a huge treat. This first one's to Gladys to Gladys Gudgeon, bless her, huge fan of mine. The minutes snailed by Harry and Lockhart's voice wa- Harry let Lockhart's voice wash over him and occasionally saying Mmm and right and yeah. Now and then he caught a phrase like Fame's a fickle friend, Harry, or celebr- celebrity is a celebrity is a celebrity does remember that celebrity it well, celebrity is as celebrity does remember that the candles burned lower and lower, making the light dance over the many moving faces of Lockhart watching watching him. Harry moved his aching hand over what felt like the thousandth envelope writing out Veronica's mouthly's address. It must be nearly time to leave, Harry thought miserably. Please let it be nearly time. And then he heard something. Something apart from the spitting from the spitting of the dying candles and Lockhart's prattle about his fans. There was a cold vo- there was a voice. A voice to chill the bone, the bone marrow. A voice of breathing, of of breathe talking, ice cold venom. Come, come to me. Let me rip you. Let me tear you. Let me kill you. Here it gave a huge jump, and a large lilac blot appeared on ver- on. Veronica Smelfleet Street. What? He said loudly. I know, said Lockhart. Six solid months at the top of the bestseller list. Broke all the records. No, said Harry frantically. That voice. Sorry. Sorry, said Lockhart, looking puzzled. What voice? That voice that said... That voice that said... Didn't you hear it? Lockhart was looking at Harry in high astonishment. What are you talking about, Harry? Perhaps it's getting perhaps you're getting a little a little drowsy. Great Scott, look at the time. He's been here nearly four hours. I'd have never believed it. The time's flown, hasn't it? Harry didn't answer. He was straining his ears to hear the voice again, but there was no sound except for Lockhart telling him he mustn't accept he mustn't, he mustn't accept a treat like this every time he got dissension. Feeling dazed, Harry left. It was so late that the Gryffindor common room it was so late that the Gryffindor common room was almost empty. He went straight up to his to the dormitory. Ron wasn't back yet. Harry pulled on his pajamas, got into bed and waited. Half an hour later, Ron arrived. 
Ron arrived, nursing his right arm and bringing a strong smell of polish into the darkened room. My muscles have all seized up, he groaned, sinking in his sinking on his bed. Fourteen times he made me buff up that Quidditch cup before he was satisfied. And then I had and then I had another slug attack all over the special awards and for services to the school. It took ages to get the slime off. How was it with Lockhart? Keeping his voice low so that not to wake Neville, Dean, and Seamus, Harry told Ron exactly what he had heard. And Lockhart said he couldn't hear it. Wait, and Lockhart said he couldn't hear it? Said Ron. Harry could see him frowning in the moonlight. Do you think he was lying? I don't, I don't get it. Even someone invisible would have been able to open the door. Wait, do you think he was lying? I don't get it. Even someone invisible would have had to open the door. I know, said Harry, lying back on his four-poster on his four-poster and staring at the canopy above him. I don't get it either. been the seventh episode for the second season of the very hairy podcast i hope you enjoyed it bye bye